Shalom and welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast. I am Boyce Washington and on the other side of me is the pastor Richard Washington and we are the Science of the Covenant. And before we get started, I want to give all praises to our father, our creator, Yahuwah and his son, Yahusha, who died for our sins. It wasn't for his blood and dying for us. We don't know where we will be, will we? <clears throat> if you have any questions or comments while this podcast is live, you can email us at the science of the covenant at gmail.com. And if you're watching on YouTube, uh, just put it, your question or comments in the chat and we will try to get to it on air. We want to remind you it's coming up almost uh, a month from tomorrow on Wednesday, September the 28th. Join us as we celebrate the feast of trumpets again, almost a month from tomorrow. Wednesday, September the 28th, we will be celebrating the Feast of Trumpets. So we look forward to having you with us. So as you know, we've been studying the science of the seed. The pastor has been giving us some really great information on the seed and how it ties into the, his son as it ties into us, into everything that's pretty much on this planet. So pastor, are we on the... Tenth part of the science of the seed. Yes, this is a yeah, tenth part, and if you remember last week what we dealt with was we were showing how Yeshua was not the seed of Joseph, but he was the seed of his father, which is in heaven. And what we discovered is a controversy in the world of Christianity as to whether he's the son of Joseph or whether he's the son of Elohim. And from our studies, we we found out that he was the son of Elohim rather than the son of Joseph. And that was a great, con that, there was a controversy about that. And what we're going to uh, look at today in the uh, Science of the Seed Part 10 is that we'll find there's also a controversy about Yeshua being the son of Elohim uh, when it comes to putting him to death. So it's 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 quite a thing uh, dealing with the son of Elohim because there are many who feel that he was the son of Joseph and Mary, and not only that, throughout his ministry. He even asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter responded by saying, thou art the Messiah, the son of the living Elohim. And so even among his disciples, uh, they were getting comments uh, concerning him being the son of Elohim. And so what we want to look at in this discourse is how the son of Elohim is coming into a play again at the conclusion of his life on earth. And so that's where we'll be going today. So at this time, let us have a word of prayer and then we'll entertain this subject. Eternal Father, as we look to you at this time, we realize, Lord, that the things that we are studying may not be popular, but they are new. As we get into this subject today, that I would teach you through the person of your Holy Spirit, who is a silent teacher, that he may lead us in the scriptures to the things, Lord, that you would have us to learn, that we may be better students for thee 
in understanding about your son, Yeshua the Messiah. So we ask that you bless my host, bless me, bless those who shall partake of this subject that we together may learn, and as a result, we may be the better for it. We pray this prayer in the name of Yeshua, and for his dear sake we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. All right, our first text that we want to look at is found in the book of John, the Besora, the Besora of John, which is the Gospel of John. And we want to turn to chapter 5, and we want to look at verse 39. Now, here in this particular passage, what we want to do is to be able to see uh some things about Yeshua uh, as far as him being the son of Elohim. Now here in John chapter 5, we're going to look at verse uh, 39. And the background of this is that Yeshua is dealing with those who are questioning his authority of who he is, okay, because he was voicing to them who he was, but the way they were looking at it and perceiving it was not altogether the way that Yeshua was being portrayed to them. So here in the book of John, chapter 5 and verse 39 says, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. Okay, so now what he, what he's putting down here is that the scriptures, and back in his day, the only scriptures they had was what we considered the Old Testament. And as they lived out the Old Testament, then the New Testament was being written. So apparently when we deal with this particular passage, we're talking about the scrolls that they had during the time in which he lived, which was only the Old Testament. Okay, then we want to turn in the Besorah or, or the Gospel of John in the 8th chapter. <clears throat> and we want to look at verse number 58. 858 says, And Yeshua said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And, and when he said that, the Bible says in verse 59, and they took up stones to cast at him, but Yeshua hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. So when he said before Abraham was, I am, what he was alluding to was even before Abraham existed, even before Abraham existed, he was in existence. And when he said that, they picked up stones to stone him. Now, why did they want to stone him? Because he was making himself equal with Elohim, and he was making himself greater than Abraham. So, yes, Yeshua was in the Old Testament. The claims he was <clears throat> the claims was the claims he was making reflected back to the times of the pre-creation. Because when he says the scriptures testify of him, so he was even before the creation of the world. 
because when Moses began to write the scriptures, he was before all of that. So what the world of religion cannot recognize or accept is that prior to Yeshua being becoming flesh in this world, he was Yah's son in heaven. And upon coming into this world, he took on flesh when he was incarnated in Mary's womb. However, his flesh didn't forfeit him from being fully Elohim. What the world of religion cannot receive is that he who calls himself the son of Yehoah is also Yehoah himself. And if he states otherwise, he would be in question as to what is truth. So when he was saying he was the son of Elohim, he is saying, I am also Elohim too. Yeshua was active in creation with his father in the creating of all the worlds in the universe. Now let's turn to Hebrews uh, chapter, Hebrews chapter one. And in Hebrews chapter one, we want to look at uh, verse two, Hebrews one, two. And here, and here it says, okay, here it says in the book of Hebrews, in verse 2 it says, in chapter 1, verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Okay, he said in the last day he's spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So the Bible tells us that his son, by whom he created all things, and he appointed all things to him, by whom he made the worlds. So we see behind the entire creation, the son was involved. However, when the serpent introduced Eve to the fruit of the good and evil, she in turn introduced it to her husband. So let, let, let us turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter number three, chapter three, the battle of sheaf. Okay, here we look in battle of sheaf with is Genesis, the third chapter. And we'll look at a couple of verses there. Here we find in Genesis chapter one, and uh, chapter 3, that is, in verse 1. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which Yehoah Elohim had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath Elohim said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So here Eve is having a dialogue with him concerning this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And as they had the dialogue, he enticed her that she went and ate of the fruit. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3, and now we're looking at verse number 6. It said, and the, and, and the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. 
So when we see that she had eaten up this particular fruit, now that Eve and her husband were in a fallen state, this meant also that their future generation would also be in a fallen state. And this would also include their seed. The seed would be fallen, even when it would give birth to it. It would not be the perfect seed now that Elohim had created, but it would be a corrupted seed. And in order for them and their offspring to be redeemed, it would take the seed of the woman to overcome the seed of the serpent. Because we read in Genesis 3, verses 14 and 15, we are told, And Yahweh Elohim saw, said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So what we are seeing here, it would be a conflict between the people of Elohim and the people of Satan, between his seed and her seed, between Satan's seed and the Savior's seed. It would be a hatred there that would be carried on by them. He is the one who will also, now the seed of the woman is one who will also destroy the works of the devil. Okay. Now we are told in first John, okay. In first John chapter three and verse eight tells us, it said first John uh, eight, three, eight, it says he that committed sin is of the devil for the devil sent it from the beginning for, for this purpose, the son of Elohim was manifested. So the Bible is teaching us that sin came into the world by Satan, and th therefore, in order to deal with it, Elohim sent his son, who was manifested from the father, that he would come and deal with what Satan had put into the world, which was sin. And so when we read it further, it says, he that co committed sin is of the devil. So if any sin you have, it has to come from the devil. For the devil sinned it from the beginning with our first our parents. If for this purpose, the son of Elohim was manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil. So the whole purpose of Yeshua coming to this world was to destroy the works of the devil. So when Yeshua was brought forth uh, into this world, his work was to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, now let us turn to the book of Mark. We want to turn to Mark. In the Besorah of Mark, we want to look at chapter 14. And in chapter 14, we want to look at verses 61 through 64. Okay. Book of Mark, chapter 14, and we want to start with verse 61, and we want to read down to verse 64. Now, here's what it says. He said, but he held his peace. This is Yeshua as he stood before the high priest and the council, 
that had incarcerated him. But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Messiah, the son of the blessed? And Yeshua said, I am, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and said, What need we any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy. What, ye, what think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. So here, what we are looking at in this particular trial, when, when Yeshua was brought before the high priest, he was asked the question, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And he answered them and said, I am. And you shall see the son of man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. The high priest responded by renting his clothes and said, what need we any further witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What think you? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. In other words, when he said what he said, they all condemned him to death. Now, here we are told from scriptures that Yeshua was being condemned to death on the grounds of speaking something that was blasphemous. So we asked the question, what was it that Yeshua spoke blasphemous about? What was it? However, before we probe into what the high priests and those who condemned him, let us first define what does it mean to be blasphemous. What is a blaspheme? We need to understand what, what that is. Now, the word blaspheme here in our text comes from the Greek word blasphemia, blasphemia, and it carries the meaning of injurious speaking. Okay, so what is injurious speaking? Now, when we consider injurious speaking, it has to do something with <clears throat> speaking falsely of something or somebody. So to speak blasphemous is to speak injurious, and to speak injurious is to speak falsely about somebody or something. So if we apply the essence of this meaning or this definition to our subject at hand, what would Yeshua injuriously speaking be about? So what did he speak wrongly? What did he say profanely? What did he say that was not right? So at this juxtaposition, let us see what led up to what they accused Yeshua of blaspheming. What, why were they accusing him of blaspheming? Okay, now let us go back to Mark. And at this time, we're going to look at Mark 14 and verse 61. Here's what it says. But he held his peace and asked her nothing. And again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou 
the Christ, the son of the blessed. Now, what led up to what they call blaspheme was a question the high priest asked Yeshua. He asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed? There are at least two factors which led up to blaspheme in this question as far as they were concerned. See? In other words, they were weighing him on their merits, not on the merits of Yeshua himself. So the question that the high priest was asking Yeshua is, are you the Christ? Are you the son of the blessed? Now, the first factor is found in the first part of the high priest's question. Okay. Now, this word, Christ, is the Greek word for Messiah, and it means the anointed one. So the first part of his question, he's asking, are you the anointed of the uh, are you the anointed or are you the messiah that's what he's trying to get at are you the messiah that was the first part of his question and the second part of of his question was are you the son of the blessed okay he's already perturbed about are you the anointed one. Now he is saying, are you the son of the blessed? Now, the second part of this question brings us to the second factor, which led up to why they accused him of blaspheme. Okay. This is why they accused him of speaking something falsely. He asked Yeshua, was he the son of the blessed? Now, the word blessed comes from the Greek word Eulagitos, you, you, eulagitos. That's where this word bless comes, the Greek word, eulagitos. That's spelled E-U-L-O-G-E-T-O-S, eulagitos. Now, eulagitos carries the meaning well spoken of. In other words, when you speak well of someone, that's what the real eulogitos means, okay? And this is one of the words we get our word eulogy from. Eulogy means to speak well of someone. In other words, usually at a funeral, uh, the deceased usually has a eulogy. And it means to speak well of the person. So that's one time that a person can be spoken well of. Even if a person has lived a detrimental life, if a person has lived even contrary to the principles of Elohim, you can always give a good eulogy of a person who is dead. You don't have to bring up everything about a person. You're not to judge. You're just there to give good remarks about the person. Just like the old saying goes, in the best of us, there's some wrong, and in the worst of us, there's some good. So a eulogy is to give good. So when they were talking about eulogitos, 
they were talking about the blessed. This is the word for the blessed, eulogitos. And so what they were saying here is that when you speak about the blessed, you are speaking about something that is well spoken of. In our text, as we observe the usage of this word, it is a noun rather than a verb. It's not a verb. It's a noun. See, when you talk about the blessed, you're not talking about the blessing, which would be a verb. You're talking about the blessed, which would be a person, which would be a noun. So if it is a noun, then it carries the meaning of speaking well of, but it is not only speaking something to be well of, but when you talk about the son of the blessed, you're be, you talking about the son of Elohim because they looked at Elohim as the one who blesses, but he is called the blessed. So consequently, when Yeshua answered his question, he says, I am. In other words, he said, I am the son of the blessed. So by being the son of the blessed, then he was saying, I'm a son of the heavenly father. So when we look again at verse 62 of Mark 14, he said, and Yeshua said, I am. And ye shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and the coming in the clouds of heaven. All right. So here he is confessing that he is a son of Yah. He's the son of Elohim. And for a human to both claim he is anointed by Yahuwah and to be his son was considered to be equal with Elohim. No human in their estimation could be on the same level as Elohim. Moreover, Yeshua went on to say further that they shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. When Yeshua said this, it infuriated the high priest to the point that he rent his clothes and said, what need we any further witnesses? Why was the high priest so taken back by what Yeshua said why was he so taken back by that? Let's take it step by step. Now, let's look at verse 63 of Mark 14. In verse 63, he says, Then the high priest rent his clothes and said, What need we any further witnesses? He said, We don't need any further witness. We heard what he said. So the first step is that Yeshua claimed to be Yah's anointed. That was the first thing, okay? The second thing, he claimed to be the son of the blessed, okay? That was the second thing. But let's, let's look at this second thing, okay? Now, when we look at the second thing, we want to turn to the book of John. We want to turn to the gospel or the besorah of John, chapter 10, and we want to start with verse number 30. Okay, we want to look at John, 
chapter 10, and we're going to start with verse 30, and we want to read down a few verses. Now, starting with verse 30, it says, I and my Father are one. Okay, this is what Yeshua is telling those uh, in whom he is dealing with and who are questioning who he is. And he says, I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones against again to stone him. In other words, they take up the stones to stone him because he said, I am a father one. Okay, now what's going on in Yeshua's head is that his heavenly father is his father, but the Jews are saying, wait a minute, man, you know, you're saying that Elohim is your father. To us, no human being can be the, be, be the son of, of Elohim. It's no way possible. And so to them, that was, that was speaking blaspheme. So they took up stones to stone him because he was going against what they had been taught, that no man can be Elohim. Okay. Okay, let us go further. It says in verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Now notice what Yeshua said. Yeshua answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me. And so Yeshua was saying, I've, I've been around here healing folk and, and, and teaching good stuff. He said, now you picking up stones to take me out. He said, now, which of my good works did I do that you want to stone me? And notice what, I want you to notice particularly what they said, okay? Because it's, it's, it's dealing with what we were talking about. It's dealing with blaspheme. The Jews answered him saying, for a good work, we stone you not. He said, we're not going to stone you for your good works. Yeah, you did a good work. You healed people. You taught them, you taught them well. But that's not what we're stoning you for. Here's what we are stoning you for. It said, but for blaspheming. He said, this is why we are stoning you, is for blaspheme. Okay? He said, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself Elohim. He said, you're a man. You're making yourself Elohim. That's what we are stoning you for. Ain't no man on earth that can say that he's Elohim. And for you to make that claim as a human being, he said, that's what we are stoning you for. And verse 34 says, Yeshua answered them, is it not written in the law? I said, ye are gods. Okay. He said, even in your law is written that ye are gods. In other words, when Elohim made us, he made us small Elohims. That's what he made a small Elohim. He said, even in your law. But mind you, what they are saying is, <laughs> yeah, we are that type of, type of thing, but you didn't go on further. You're saying you are literally the son of Elohim. That's what you're saying. We come from human beings, and so did you, but you're saying that you being Elohim is equal to, with your father in heaven. And verse 35 said, if Yeshua was still talking. If he called them gods unto whom the word of Elohim came and the scriptures cannot be broken. Notice words, friends, verse 36. Say ye of him whom the father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest because I said, I am the son of Elohim. He said, he said, the Father sent me into this world. I am the son of Elohim. See, that's why they wanted to stone him. 
Okay. Now, let us, the first thing he said is that he was anointed, and the second thing that, that he said was that he was the son of Elohim, and they stuck up stones to stone him. Because he said, I'm the son, because, he's, because they said, he, because he was the son of man, how could you be the son of Elohim? Now, as the son of man, he'll be sitting on the right hand and the power. Okay, that's the third thing. He said, not only am I the son of man, but I'll be sitting on the right hand of power. And the fourth thing he, he pointed out to them, he would be coming in the clouds of heaven. So when he considered these four factors, what is it that infuriated the high priest to the extent that he tore his high priest, his high priestly garment? Let's look at these dynamics and see what it is that the high priest was so infuriated him to tear a priestly garment. See, you don't just tear a priestly garment. Usually when you tear a priestly garment, you, 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 you are in rage almost about something. So what we are seeing on the surface of the high priestly's behavior might not warrant such a reaction as he demonstrated. You know, you see a man getting all upset about that. Why is he that upset about it? Well, however, if we could enter into the inner sanctum of his mind, perhaps we could discover why such a reaction merits his outrage. Let us reminisce upon Yah's people. We want to kind of go back and see what's happening with Yah's people. So as we reminisce upon uh, his people, who was Judah in the past. See, in the past they were called Judah. The history of Judah as revealed in scriptures that they were carried, as they were, they were carried a long they had a long line of idolatrous practices of false worship. See, they had a long history of that. So when you look at their history, you see something about his people that Elohim had frowned upon, seeing that they were cursed, they were scattered, and taken into captivity all because of false worship. And so Yah had to have the enemies to take them into false worship. Now, all because of the fact that the enemies, they had false Elohims too. But he expected them to have the true worship. So if they were worshiping idolatry, uh, worship and uh, false Elohims, then why should he protect them from their enemies and they doing the same thing that their enemies were doing? So Elohim caused them to be cursed, scattered, and taken into captivity, all because they were worshiping pseudo-Elohims. This was something that they would not take lightly because when they look back at their past, they only saw that worshiping falsely would cause them to be scattered, taken into captivity, and to be scattered all over the earth. And they didn't want that curse again. 
So to worship anything or anybody outside of Elohim would be a direct violation to the first and the second commandment of the Decalogue, which was forbidding by Elohim, who spoke and wrote them upon the tablets of blue stones. Elohim was desirous of being worshipped by his people alone, and no other Elohim was would occupy their affection and devotion of love. Now let us turn to Deuteronomy. We want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, we want to look at a few verses there. We want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we want to look at verses 7 through 9. Now, here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we want to look at verses 7 through 9. Here's what it says. Thou shalt have none other Elohims before me. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Verse 9, thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them nor serve them, for I, Yehoah, thy Elohim, am a jealous El, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me. So here we see it in the first and the second commandment that they were not that they were not to have any other Elohims before him. No other Elohims. In the heavens above or in the earth beneath. And so naturally that would include man who was made from the earth that they shouldn't worship him. However, when Yeshua the Messiah came into this world, it was well established in the minds of Israel, who at the time of Yeshua was being called Judah. In the time of Yeshua, it was well understood that the worship of idols or persons would be a form of idolatry. Only Yah, the supreme Elohim, should be worshipped by, by Yeshua being a human it was not conceivable that a man could be Yah's son. How could he who was a human of a human origin of flesh be of a divine nature? They couldn't conceive of that. How are you saying you a man and you the son of Elohim? Therefore, the claims that Yeshua made concerning himself being the son of Yah didn't fit their conception as to Elohim's son. that they, they couldn't conceive of that. We have been taken into captivity because we have worshipped the false, and now you come and saying, you Elohim, man, you crazy. You, you're not making sense. Their conception was that if any man claimed to be Elohim's son, would it be, would be to elevate a mere man to the status of Elohim and to do so would be considered profane. We would be worshiping man. A man being equal to Yah was speaking blaspheme as far as they were concerned. To the high priests and those of his council, this meant to them that what Yeshua was saying was forbidden by the Torah and in violation to the commandment of Elohim. 
For if Yeshua was truly Yah's son, this would mean both that he should be Elohim, and if so, he should also be worshipped. And they are looking at it from the standpoint, if this man is Elohim, then we need to worship him. And they, and in their minds, they cannot, they cannot conceive of this. The high priest was taken back by a man claiming to be Yah's anointed who would come back to this world as the one who would be on the right hand of power of his father coming in the clouds of heaven with all of the heavenly angelic hosts. This was an absurdity or this was crazy to them. The high priest tore his garment because he perceived that what Yeshua was saying was most ridiculous and preposterous. Now, let, it, let us turn to the book of Samuel. This is why he was infuriated. Here this human man is coming up at the time he, he's Elohim. It, it was no way that they could, they could deal with that. Now, let us turn to uh, uh, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, and we want to look at chapter 8, 1 Samuel chapter 8. <clears throat> okay, now here in 1 Samuel, and we're looking at chapter 8, we want to look at a few verses here, a few verses. Okay, the first verse that we want to look at in 1 Samuel chapter 8 is, is this, is verse 5, is verse 5, Samuel 8 and verse 5. Okay, now here we find that Samuel, uh, he was the priest, okay, he was a prophetical priest, and here, here's, here's what was going on. The Bible says that Israel at this time, they wanted a king. And in verse 5 said, and said unto him, in other words, they said unto Samuel, Behold, thou art old, thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Okay, they said, we want a king, Sammy. He said, you old. And your children, they, they acting up, so we, we don't want them. We, 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 we want a king. They said, give us a king to judge over us. Because usually when you talk about a king, you talk about a judge as well. Okay. All right, now, in the same eighth chapter, we want to look at verse number 19. And we want to read 19 to 22. Okay, here's what, here's what it says. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, nay, but we will have a king over us. They insisted that they wanted a king, okay? That we also may be like all the nations. See, they, they want to be like the nations, okay? So they wanted a human king. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of Elohim. And Elohim, Yahweh, said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. So when he got it to Elohim, Elohim said, Samuel, don't worry about it. Go ahead and get him a king. He said, go ahead. Just, just get him a king. That's what they want. Get him a 
human king, okay? In this Israel, who was now Judah in the time of Samuel, asked for a human king, okay? They asked for a human king. Now when Elohim actually send them a human king through Yeshua, they reject him. When Yah sent him into this world as their king, what else he, the high priest, needed to understand, and also we ourselves, is that Yah's intention in creating Adam and Eve was to populate the earth with beings like he himself. Yah's expectation was that the making of man was to have beings to be like himself, which would <clears throat> be the highest order of existence in the universe. He wanted beings like he himself to live eternally. However, when man went astray, Yeshua, the second Adam, would come to help us to carry out this expectation of Yah for the human family. And in doing so, Yah sent Yah's son would become flesh. And when he became such, he was not received as Yah's literal son. Let us go to let us go back to the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, we want to look at chapter one. Gospel of John, chapter one. Okay. Now the Bible says in John. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 11, the Bible says he came unto his own, which was the Jewish people, and his own received him not. He said he came among them, that they didn't receive him. Now, they were the very ones, their forefathers was asking for a king. When he sent them a, a human king, now they don't want him. He came among them, but they didn't want him. The claims which Yeshua was making about himself being the son of, of Elohim sounded so outlandish to the high priest and his council that they condemned him to death. Why did they put him to death? Not because he stole anything, not because he told an uh, untruth, but because they could not conceive of him being the son of Elohim. That's why he was put on that cross. We can see that Yeshua's death sentence came about due to his claim to be the son of Yah. That's why he was put to death. Now, let us turn in the same gospel to the 19th chapter, the gospel of John, the 19th chapter, and we want to look at a couple of verses there. John chapter 19, and in the 19th chapter, we want to look at verses 7 and 15, okay? John 19, 7 says, Then the Jews answered him, we have a law, and by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of Elohim. Ain't that something? They're going to kill him because he made himself the son of Elohim. He is Elohim's son. That's why they're going to put him to death. And verse 15 says, But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. We must now stop and think about 
how a fully grown man could claim to be the son of Yah. Just how could this be? So our next discourse will go into how Yah got into a human form and become or became Yah's son. How did Yeshua become his son? That's the next discourse. But we find that at his birth and through his life and his death, he was opposed because he said he was the son of Elohim. Eternal Father, help us to be able to conceive of this and to be able to understand that Elohim so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He was literally your son. In Yeshua's name, we do pray. Amen, Amen. and Amen. Amen. Well, that's something. Uh, <clears throat> Israel asked for a physical human king, and he sent one mm-hmm. through Yahusha, and they didn't want to accept him. They didn't want to accept it at all. They they was they were strictly into human human kings, and they couldn't see a human divine king, and. So when Samuel got him a king, they accepted Saul, which didn't work out. And then when they literally sent the, the greatest king, they mm-hmm. didn't they want to accept him, but they wanted to hold on to a human king. So they said, hey, he ain't our king. The only king we have is Caesar. And we are finding that today that the government, like Caesar, is taking over for what Elohim should be taking over. Wow. You know, it's interesting because, I don't know, I think we are people, we don't know what we want. Y'all give it to us and we don't want to accept it. You Mm. know, we see what other nations have and wanted the same thing when we had the ultimate king. Mm -hmm. But we saw the nations and wanted a physical king. And then, like you said, he sent one and we and our people's like, who are you to claim that you the son? Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 if he had said he wasn't wasn't the son, he wouldn't have been telling the truth. Wow! True. You know, so he, he told him the truth, and when he told him the truth, you know, the truth upset it them. Wow! Now you have mentioned that uh, Yah had made us small Elohim's. Hmm. Originally. So Adam and Eve were small Elohims, and mm-hmm. basically when they sinned, uh, that was kind of taken away, and the only way you can get it back is through uh, the eternal kingdom? Uh, through the blood of Yeshua, through his life, and then he'll give you back the eternal kingdom. See, what it was, when he said, I'm going to make man in my image and likeness, he was basically said, I'm, I'm making other gods. Mm. Even wow. though that was with this... You know, in in the English, it would be the small g. Mm-hmm. You you know, but in in the Hebrew, it was the it would be e l. He was making small Elohim's. You know, uh, Elohim and l is a singular, and Elohim is a plural. He was making small Elohim's. He was making people like himself. In other words, when he made us, he he was making the best. He mm-hmm. was the reason why we know we was he, he was making the best because he is the best. And mm-hmm. when you make something a copy of the best, then you're the best too. Mm. 
since he was Elohim, he said, that's what I want you to be, Elohim. So I, I just wonder what is what is different between us and the other worlds that Yah created. I wonder, are we on the, were we intentionally going to be the same as them or were we higher than them because he made us in, uh, in his image were they even made in his image? Well, I would think that they were because he said he made the worlds. And I would think that, uh, when he made their world, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking logically, uh, is this, I mean, if, if, if Elohim has existed from all eternity and at one time at eternity, he brought his son in. He and his son sat down and said, "Look here, we're gonna make some worlds. Not just one world. We're gonna make some worlds." Mm -hmm. Okay. And that when he made the first world, I, I'm I'm just saying hypothetically. I I can't prove it, but I think it makes sense about what I'm about to say. That when he made the first world that he ever made, the first one, mm -hmm. it also had a Garden of Eden, and it also uh, had a tree of knowledge and good, e good and evil. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I think he went on to make some more worlds. You know, how many worlds out there? I have no idea. I have no idea how many he made. Yeah. But when he got ready to make this world, I think he made it on the same premise that he did the other worlds. Mm -hmm. He took some soil out of the ground and he made Adam and Eve and he made them in his image. Like he made all of the other worlds out there. This is why we can say that once we are redeemed, when we go to our sister worlds, we know that they have come from the same sort of uh, 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 background that we came from. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I would think that uh, they were the same as us. Mm -hmm. And as he made their world with trees and plants and stuff, he did our world the same way. So I can think if, if they live off the same type of nature that we live off, then they have the same type of bodies that we have. Mm. And if and, and if we are redeemed and we go to other worlds, mm -hmm. I think we can sit down and eat with them. Why? Because we are human beings like they are human, but we'll be glorified then and we'll be able to eat stuff from their planet like they can eat from our planet because mm. I think all of the planets have the same, the same substance. So yes, I think the beings on other planets uh, would be the same as, as we are. But the only difference is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they never ate of it, but we, we ate of it on our planet. Mm -hmm. And then the thing is, when you look in the book of Revelation, it says that the tree of life, which was in the Garden of Eden, is in heaven now. And I think when you make the new earth and the new heavens, and we make a new new creation of this earth, he's going to bring back that same Garden of Eden, and he's going to put it back on this earth but it's probably going to be without the tree of knowledge of good and evil because the plan of salvation will be over now. Everybody be saved and the universe is secure from sin. Mm. You know, too, it's interesting, too, how you brought out in Deuteronomy 5 or 7 and 9 about not uh, making any images to uh, anything, even in mm -hmm. heaven. And when you go into a lot of churches, you see those exact things that Yah says not to do. Mm -hmm. You see statues and pictures and portraits and paintings, supposedly of Jesus, the stained glass windows of Jesus, the 12 disciples and everything. You know, to me, that's sophisticated 
uh, worshiping of idols. In mm, a yeah, way. yeah, they got all of that in there. You know, these crosses and all that crucifix and all this stuff in church. Yeah, there should never be. You know, they are idols. And I don't think a lot of us really think about that as being idols. We, you know, we just have accepted it through the years. Oh, that's part of a church, but it's sophisticated idol worship. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, who are you bowing down when you have these big things in these churches? Who are you bowing down to? The most high or to this statue that's here? Yeah. You know, you know same thing with the crucifix, too. You know, uh, when you look at the crucifix, you, you're looking at a Roman torture. And so as you look at the Roman torture, what Yeshua had to experience, you know, because he said he was the son of Elohim. What you're also looking at is that when you put the crucifix up in the church, mm-hmm. Elohim never told you to put it there, so yeah. why are you putting it there? So, I mean, if you put it there, you're putting it there because the papacy, the mark of the beast that they are giving out, that the papacy is being highlighted. Yeah. And what is it saying? If you got the crucifix in the church and you're highlighting that and Elohim didn't tell you, then if he didn't tell you, then who's telling you? Well, you got to look at Catholicism and you got to look at false worship is that if you got the crucifix in your church, then you're saying to your own congregation that if you don't do what Rome says, then you're going to be crucified just like your master. So you're lifting up your own crucifixion. Wow. Because didn't uh, in past years when they went on their crusades and whatnot and the cross was on their flag, when they Mm -hmm. went in persecuted and plundered and killed in the sake of the religion. Yeah, right. That, that's what it was, the, the crusade. And from all the pictures that I've seen and some of the historical artifacts, is that when they went to fight, they've had to cross to go before, you know. And then that became united to the, uh, the Roman church, and the Roman church took up, took up the cross. Wow. But that was, that was not Elohim. When Elohim was talking about taking up the cross, he was talking figuratively, you know, you're taking up the burdens of the work. He was not talking about a literal cross. But they have literally taken a cross to mean more than what Elohim uh, uh, Torah means. They put that cross before the Torah. Wow. Wow. Uh, before we go to our next segment, uh, last thing, you stated that Yah pointed all things to his son. Mm-hmm. That was in the book of, uh, I think we was reading Hebrews uh, chapter 1 mm-hmm. and verse 2, where he's appointed all things to him. And the creation of all of the worlds was by him. He has that authority. So all worlds, see this one and the other ones he's created is all appointed to the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's just like when he, when he came out of that tomb on the grave, he said, I got all power. Wow. Now all power is extended all to all of the worlds. And this is make, makes salvation so exciting because he says once we are redeemed, we're going to become heirs of salvation. So whatever he has, we have. Wow. All right, and we will, with that, transition to our next segment. Up next, let's talk about that. So, uh, in kind of harking on to uh, kind of with the, uh, what Pastor has talked with about the seed today, I want to talk about choices. Because if you really look at it, Yah has given everyone a choice. He's not a dictator. He's basically, here it is. It's up to you if you want to accept it or you don't. 
There's two choices basically in this world, Yahuwah and Satan, one or the other. So if you have your Bibles with me, if you can turn with me to Joshua, the 24th chapter, verse 15. Again, that's Joshua, the 24th chapter, verse 15. And it reads, and if it seem evil unto you to serve Yahuwah, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the Elohai which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the Elohim of the Emorim in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve Yahuwah. Now we have to, at the end, is basically who are we going to serve? Is it the father or is it going to be Satan? And Pastor, I want to ask you, does Yah give everything he created, especially when it comes to the angels and humans, animals, choices to serve him or not? Yeah, so uh, one, one of the, um, the reason why sin is in the world, because uh, there was a choice that was made, okay? Okay. But, but when we deal with that choice, what we want to do is... Uh, have what you call a protocol of choice, the choice protocol. Mm-hmm. Okay, now when we deal with the choice protocol, we have to uh, turn into the book of Genesis. Okay, so when we turn to the book of Genesis, we have uh, Genesis 3. I want to look at verse 1. Okay, now the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which Yehoah Elohim has made, and he said unto the woman, has Elohim said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So here here we, here we, here we see number one, uh, this is the beast. That's the beast. He started with the beast, okay? Okay. Now, the thing that we want to see here is that now if he said it's, the serpent was more subtle, in other words, he was wiser than any other uh, beast of the field. Wow. Okay, now, who's talking to him? Well, we know that Satan is behind it because when we, we when we turn all the way over here to Revelation, mm-hmm. Revelation uh, uh, chapter twelve, and and the Bible tells us this. Let me say, let me get to twelve. Revelation chapter twelve, and we want to. I think there's one verse there we want to do it. All right, here in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, notice what it says. It said, And the great dragon, which was cast out of, which was cast out, that old serpent, okay? So here, Satan is identified with the serpent. Is that because he was a serpent? No, it's not because he was a serpent. It was because he used the serpent, and the serpent did his will. So he's identified with the serpent. So what we are saying, first of all, that animals must have had a choice. Just like, just like he allowed uh, Satan to speak through him, mm-hmm. he could have rejected that. He could have rejected that and let him go on to some some, some other animal and try to get some other, other animal to try, try to do that. Okay? All right. So, yeah, animals do have a choice. They, they have a choice, mm-hmm. even though a lot of their choices are by instinct, mm. you know? It's amazing when you see animals how how brilliant they are. Yeah. Sometimes I be driving in my automobile and I get real close on a bird flying and 
And no matter how it kind of looks like that, he'll soar up in the air, so I want to hit it. So, I mean, they got amazing instincts. They know when danger is, and they know how to get, you know, to deal with it. Isn't it phenomenal that when you see a squirrel, a squirrel can walk across a telephone wire and with perfect balance? I mean, that's intelligence. Okay. So what I'm saying, yeah, they had a choice. And so when Satan got in them, you know, they, they had a choice to do this or that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing that uh, we could, we put all kind of in, in, insect insecticides and, and poisons on our lawn and yet we'll see a squirrel or an animal come across our lawn and they'll sniff it and they never eat any poison. Yeah. They're intelligent. They they do have a choice, okay? And so animals have a choice. And when you look at the angels, they were, I mean, they angels are brilliant, not only in knowledge, but in even in strength. They they have power. One angel can destroy a, a, a whole nation of people, just one. Wow. They have a choice. They chose to follow Satan. They they chose to follow him. Elohim didn't make them to or not to follow him. If they wanted to follow him, he said, hey, y'all, you know, do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. When Yeshua was on earth, uh, he had 12 disciples. He told Judas, he said, you know, go what you got to do, Judas. I can't force you to, you know, to accept me. So we see the angels had a choice, the animals had a, the animals have a choice, the angels had a choice, and man has a choice. All of them have a choice. When Abraham was on this planet, uh, one of the things he said about Abraham, Elohim said, he said, I know Abraham because he was governing his house after me, and that was the same thing that Joshua said, I'm, that for me and my house, we're going to serve him. Mm-hmm. They had a choice, and we all have a choice. You know, I just uh, wonder, too, did Satan go to other animals and they was like, no, we're not falling for it. And the serpent was the only one that was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know. Well, I, well, uh, well, that, 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 that could have been, but um, the scriptures said he went to the, the wisest first. Well, okay. I wouldn't say the wisest first, but the scripture says, uh, uh, when we look at you know Genesis, you know three one, uh-huh. it's, it says he went to the uh, serpent first. Well, it didn't say first, but he said now the serpent was more subtile than any beast of the field. In other words, he was the top of the class. He was the valedictorian. Okay. Okay. And he said unto the woman. He said he went to the the serpent, which leads me to believe that the serpent was the first one he went to. Okay. Why? Because he's saying he was the smartest. So if he was the smartest, then it seemed like when Satan went down among the animal kingdom, mm-hmm. he knew who what the smartest was. He knew that. And he mm-hmm. said, let me start here. Now, that's my impression. Now, he could have talked to other animals, but I, I think he started with that serpent because he went through he went through the pain of mm-hmm. picking out the smartest. Now I can mm-hmm. understand if he says uh, he started with the animal that was not the smartest, mm-hmm. okay, and then he worked his way on up. But it sounds like to me what he's saying is now the serpent was more subtle, 
So how would you know that, Satan? You you had to study these things to know that. You yeah. you knew what was the smartest. So you said to yourself, that let me let me let me start with the smartest. So I, I don't think he went to any other. I think he started there and he was successful. So, you know, it sounds like too then he's basically is an ego thing. If I can manipulate the smartest animal and then the human race, how powerful am I? It was an ego trip. Yeah, well, that's the same thing that happened to Eve. He, he put on an ego trip too. Yeah. She said when she saw that it was good for food and a tree to make one wise, she was on an uh, ego trip to be wise. And Elohim had already made a wise. He, he he's trying to say I'm gonna make you wiser than Elohim. I'm gonna have you to know good and evil. Well, uh, you would have known that anyway. You know, you were wise enough to know that. But she got caught up on a ego trip just like the serpent, and and then she came down. Yeah. Wow. Well, Pastor, can you take us to the throne as we get ready to close out this session of this podcast for this week? Loving Father, we thank you for another privilege to being able to deal with the segment of uh, Yeshua being the son of Elohim, and they put him to death because he said it. And help us, O Heavenly Father, that we may accept him and not to put him to death in our life, but to know that because he died, we can live, continue to be my host, his family, be with me and my family, be with all of those who listen in their families. Remember us, O Heavenly Father, in difficult situations of life, where people might try to take advantage of us simply because of who we profess. And we ask that the anointing of the Spirit, or Heavenly Father, may protect us in all areas of life, in our homes, in our businesses, in the places that we shop, in the places that we go. Continue to reserve us. And if it be your will, O Heavenly Father, take us through a new weekend, and when we come again, we can talk about the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Pray this prayer in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. And I'm Amen. Amen. Want to remind you, almost a month from tomorrow, Wednesday, September the 28th, we will be celebrating the Feast of Trumpets. So please mark that on your calendars to attend and join us as we celebrate the Feast of Trumpets. That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Know therefore that Yahuwah Eloheka, he is Elohim, the faithful El, which guards his covenant and mercy with them that love him and guard his commandments to a thousand generations. Until next week, Shalom. <laughs>